0: Everyone has that one game they can never get to the table. Well, huh, we have five. Welcome to the Tabletop Shop.
1: And welcome back to yet another episode of Tabletop Shop. I am one of your co-hosts, Nate Clark, and seated across the world from me is your other co-host, Mr. Cody Pennington. What's up? What's that's up, all I got. Cody? That's all I got for you today. That's all you got? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, hey. you know what? Sometimes, sometimes I just can't ask any more of you, so that's all right. Thank you. I'm glad to set such
0: low expectations. It's a lot less work for me in the long run.
1: Well... to just dive right into things here i gotta say it's been interesting uh so i've I've been in germany for a little while now and i was kind of thinking like every time we record an episode it would just be like kind of the same games you know like oh i played some wonders duel again oh i played lost cities again you know (laughs) i gotta tell you i got some i got some new games to talk about man really
0: I, yeah. I do too, actually, but I'm awesome. curious. Where where are you playing all these new and interesting games?
1: I have, um, well, the the, uh, the local library here actually has quite a few decent ones available, so I've kind of picked up a couple there mm. and then found a couple other smaller games online, like used copies, you know, things I wouldn't get too attached to that I could leave behind when I leave. But oh, yeah. Things that are cheap to pick up, you know, 10 bucks or less games I wanted to play. So, Yeah. Is that normal for a library to just have board games? Yeah, actually, it is. I I think, um, some of the ones in our area do as, like, back in the Oregon do as well. Um, but I never really checked it out, you know? Hmm. But I think they do, I think most libraries do a pretty good job of making sure all the components, you know, come back. And yeah, I mean, it's a good, it's a good way to try out a game that you don't want to just like outright buy, you know? Yeah. That's so genius. are board, game, should, so are board game cafes for any of those of you who have board game cafes nearby. You know, a few bucks, yeah. you can go try out a game. You don't have to buy it full price right away. So, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And there's food, which is nice. Well, why don't you go ahead and go first, Cody? I am intrigued to hear about some of your new games. Sure. Yeah,
0: Okay. The first one I have on my list is a game that was about as, I guess, mediocre as I expected it to be. (laughs) Okay. I'd never heard of it before until the day that I played it. I was at like Mm. a little Christmas party.
1: Um, World of Warcraft, Wrath of the Lich King. Have you heard of this? I've heard the Wrath of the Lich King thing sounds really familiar, but I I don't know
0: anything about it. So it's pandemic rethemed in oh, World of Warcraft. My. And the, the front of the box actually says, like uses the Pandemic engine. Uh-huh. So it's like certified Pandemic.
1: Yeah. yeah. I,
0: I will say... So I, I'm not a big fan of Pandemic. I mean, I want to try the Legacy games since they're so popular. I'm sure they're pretty interesting. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's just one of those cooperative games that never really gripped me.
1: Me as I well. I will say
0: I'd, I'd probably rather play wrath of the lich king over normal pandemic
1: because it's a Uh, little bit more interesting i'm assuming it has a little bit more of a theme at least
0: yeah so there's this lich king dude that is like summoning weird goblins or undead creatures I, i don't really know the lore behind it but yeah instead of disease cubes the different like towns on the map are slowly getting filled up with these little goblin guys and so you play as a different hero uh, with a few different unique abilities, I, I want to say it was a little bit more advanced than standard pandemic abilities. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're just going around fighting the dudes. Uh, but then, in, instead of trying to find a, a cure for each of the diseases, there's just these little um, like quest areas that you you just have to roll dice and move along a track to to complete the quest. And then roll once you complete all the quests, then you just and fight move the... along a track. Well, it it's like a the track requires symbols to get so you roll some dice to get successes and you move along but then you have these cards played out in front of you that if you have like matching symbols um, you can advance a couple extra spaces so there is some strategy to it Hmm.
1: well i guess if i was ever in a room with nothing except that game i might try it (laughs) but that's yeah okay it it has I will say
0: it has some pretty cool miniatures like there's a fair amount of production. That's what that I was expecting.
1: That's kind of yeah. what I meant as far as theme. Like you know, pandemic is just cubes and houses. You know. So, yeah, yeah. I'm glad it had a better production. Maybe. So.
0: Yeah. So I got that. Uh, played Splendor Duel. Thank you. By the way, it was a good Christmas present. Yeah. Tell me about. Yeah. It, uh, it was it was pretty fun. So I'm I'm also not the biggest fan of Splendor. Yeah. I don't know why. Just the the that particular form of engine building um i find can be more frustrating than enjoyable for me but splendor duel makes it better there's uh i i guess like a couple different mechanisms they throw in there to make it a little more spicy um different ways that you can win which is cool instead of just getting victory points you can get um enough crowns because there's points on some cards but then some cards may have little little crown tokens on them uh
1: then there's a uh, there's a third way and i don't remember (laughs) what it was i've only (laughs) played it once so far but kind of seven wonders dual style where there's three different kind of paths to victory yeah yeah you can see the bruno Catala
0: influence uh yeah that's right it is
1: him yeah
0: yeah
1: uh so yeah that was pretty good is it a splendor killer for you like
0: Oh yeah, I'd I'd rather play this than Splendor. Okay. Okay.
1: Would it, you get it, rid it, of Splendor or would you still keep it like to play with more than two people?
0: Um I so rarely break out Splendor that I probably wouldn't really mind parting with it. But Kirsten yeah. does like it. And and it is a good entry level game, like if we have a group of four people to play with. For sure.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. It it also does fit. I think kind of like i told you that niche of easy to break out games that are both easy to set up easy take down but still have a fair amount of strategy packed in to a small little box Um, yeah it's nice
1: it's a nice thing to not have to dedicate an entire you know afternoon or entire evening to get that same experience but sometimes that is nice too so sure it depends on the mood but it adds it adds to those options uh
0: played anachrony twice now nice Um, yeah, obviously you and I have been chatting about this, um, over text for my, my progression of how I enjoy the game. (laughs) The the first game, it it was not as mind bending as I was hoping it would be or, or earth shattering. And I guess I was a little bit disappointed because of that. Um, but the second game was better. I will say I enjoyed it a bit more. There's a few things we didn't play with the first game, such as some more interesting player powers. You have these like asymmetric boards you can play with, but the first game you could just like play side A. That's all. Yeah, just so easier. you can understand it. Sure. So that made it a little bit more interesting, and I guess I just enjoyed the the overall engine and mechanisms of the game better the second time through. I'm leaning towards probably getting the exosuit really? upgrade. Really? Yeah. Wow. Even wow. though it's like $40, maybe I can find it discounted somewhere.
1: Well, that does speak kind of like for itself, like for how you feel about the game. If you're willing to mm-hmm. kind of double the price just to make the experience you know, yeah. more satisfying.
0: I, before I do that, I'll probably still play it a couple times just sure. to see how it lasts. Just but to I, make I'm sure I'm leaning towards yeah. that. Well,
1: yeah. that's good to hear, man. I mean, that's one we've both hyped up in our minds a lot. So it's cool you got yeah. your hands on a copy and it's. Good that it did not necessarily disappoint. You know, maybe it wasn't that white knight on a stallion, but it was (laughs) still a solid game. That's good to hear. Sure. I will say I somewhat
0: despise the little workers. There's different workers. There's like the mechs, mech hexagons. Those are pretty cool. But then there's these little worker dudes that are these little like USCCA target shaped guys. But it's just these little workers that the art reminds me so much of Otis. I know you never played that, but I played it once and it was boring and uninteresting. Yeah. So I think that just gave me a bad impression upon that little worker art style. So seeing it in anachrony is like, no, I I don't want that. Take it away. (laughs) (laughs) That sucks. So maybe I'll upgrade those. Then played Heaven and Ale, which is just a good game. That was one of those other games where I was super excited for it and it was a bit of a letdown the first time I played it because it's it's really not thematic at all. Like the game engine has really nothing to do with making beer by no, monks. <laughs> no, Um it's But the more I play it, game. Yeah, yeah, it really is. The more I play it, I really like it, though. Cool. How many times uh, have you played it? Well, recently, just once. But since I've gotten it probably three or four times.
1: OK, OK. So it won't like be that? on the
0: list today. Um, No. Yeah, I've, I've played right, it enough. Right. Man, I need to get through these games. All right, played Spirit Island a <laughs> c- couple times.
1: <laughs> um, okay, Houston well. doesn't
0: really like it that much because it is—it's very brain-burning.
1: Feels yeah. like you're just
0: kind of dying as you're trying to fight the system the whole time. <laughs> uh, but I, I do like having the options of the different play styles of the different uh, spirits you can. Yeah, get.
1: there's so many options. The game is stressful for sure, though, and yeah, because it just gets worse and worse and worse. You know. Like it gets, yeah, man. You, you feel like you're losing more and more control as the game goes on.
0: And hard to win. We we lost terribly our first game. So then we restarted a game like twice and kept having a bad start. And finally, we just barely eked out a win like on the last nice. possible turn. Okay. So we did well, that's that. good. Yeah. Got some Nidavellir action up in there. Still one of my favorite games. Man. I'm sad that you don't really like it. Like, it's weird, isn't
1: really like it? it. <laughs> it's weird that like you and I differ so much on that
0: yeah but it's it's a classic for me it'll always stay a classic and then speaking of classics i got the dominion app on my phone i've been oh. cranking out a couple games of that nice
1: nice so that's my Space. spread what you got uh well it's still seven wonders duel uh i feel like i've talked about that game a lot so i won't talk about it much more but another right. bruna katala rendition of a very popular game Mm-hmm. Uh, Quick's again. The, it's a dice game I talked about last episode. Also, just a simple dice game. Uh, then I had a chance to play Machi Koro. Hmm. Uh, I might have mentioned that last time also, but it's kind of the spiritual uh, predecessor to. Well, okay, I guess it's more I, a space base is the spiritual successor to Machi Koro. It's the same system basically. Rolling dice, you have cards with numbers. They produce things depending on what's rolled. Other people rolling things gets you stuff. Also, you're buying new cards, making your tableau better until you, you know, complete a goal to win. So it's fun. Um, base Machi Koro is very simple, but I also got an expansion. Actually, technically, two expansions with it. And with those thrown in, it's a, uh, yeah, it's something I've played like three or four times now. It's it's pretty fun. Hmm. Okay. Um, also had a chance to play Broom Service a couple times. Um, yeah. I could. It's a hard game to explain quickly so I, I, w- I probably won't give a very good explanation of it but it's essentially a pick up and deliver game um but the core of the game is based around these 10 action cards and every round you pick four of them and you don't get to use the other six and then you can play these cards either as strong or as brave i'm sorry either as like strong or as weak if you play mm-hmm. it as weak you get the guaranteed weak action but it's not very good if you play it as strong you might get the strong action but only if nobody else picked that card for that round you know oh. so it's kind of a mind game i like um, that yeah it's fu- it's actually a lot of fun i was pleasantly surprised um i just kind of picked it up cuz it was cheap and available uh it's are it's, you going to keep that or leave it behind when you move i don't know it's a big box it's way 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 overboxed uh it's um it's a castle bur- of burgundy size box cuz it's part of the same series oh. um those like alia games or whatever but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure I could find another copy pretty cheap in the U.S. too. So, but it's a, it was a surprisingly fun game for sure. Um, Tiny Towns. I also had a chance to play. That's one that I've had my eye on mm. for a while. Uh, and honestly, it was more fun than I thought it was going to be. It's kind of it's just like a city building game basically, but there's these resources and every turn, somebody names one of the five resources and everybody has to take that resource and put it on their map, whether they want it or not. Um, You have like a little four by four grid. And so you're trying to build patterns for the buildings. And when you build a pattern, you can take all of them off and replace one of them with the building. So you have to build out maybe two, three, four, even five different resources in a specific pattern. But once you do that, you get to take the building that you built, take all the cubes off and just pick one of those spots, put the building on it. So your board hmm. gets more and more constricted. And so it's really kind of a puzzly thing. But then other people name resources that you have to take. Sometimes you want it, sometimes you don't. So it's a fun puzzle. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think I added that to my games to get list somewhere. I,
1: I would definitely say at least like if you ever stop at the cafe again, I'm, I would be surprised if they have a copy. Um, hmm. It's it's easy to learn. You can learn it in five minutes. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Is it related in any way to Dicetown? Uh, I don't think so. no, okay, cool story. There's a lot of there's so many city games out there. my goodness, that's a huge I know, like <laughs> yeah. um, and then my last one is cartographers. just had a chance to play that yesterday. Yeah. Um, it's it's all again more fun than I was expecting kind of I' kind I was kind of expecting a mediocre delivery from the game, and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, it's a flip and write where. Yeah, there's, like, four different colors, basically, technically, like, land types, whatever. Um, When it gets flipped, you might have one or two color options, and you might have one or two shape options. You put them into your board. um, You flip a few, like, X amount of cards every round. But then the cool thing is that there's four different ways you score your mat, and there's four different rounds. In the first round, you score the first two, and in the second round, you score the second and the third one. In the third round you score the third and the fourth one and in the fourth round you score the first and the last one um hmm. so it's pretty cool and there's also these kind of attack cards that might get flipped up where you can put you uh, you basically like rotate mats with somebody else temporarily and you like get to draw in an attack kind of to make their mat worse so that's kind of fun too to have a little bit of a little bit of a wrench thrown into your plans sometimes sure. but yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, it became a modern classic pretty quickly. I feel like it was really popular. It's not that old, actually. It's only a couple years old. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised. And so if anybody's into flip and writes at all and you haven't tried this, then yeah, you could probably find a copy pretty cheaply. And uh, I've been happy with it. I'm excited to play it again. So, hmm.
0: This is one of those games that I keep hearing about and I keep thinking it's going to be a pretty cool game, especially when you look at the cover of it. It's like a little elf and gnome fella doing some cartographering, whatever that is but then i always just look (laughs) yeah cartography then i look at the the pictures of the game and i just see these really ugly sketched out maps and i'm like
1: "Eh." yeah i mean the thing is the game comes with like just four pencils and you have to like draw the like the colors are cool in the game but then they each have a symbol too and you just draw the symbol in we're using colored like markers so there's actually colors on the mat you know so it okay. kind of just looks like a Tetris game, basically. But the, the strategy's there. It's fun. I, I, actually, I really enjoy it. Um, I guess okay. it's kind of a polyomino game in a way, uh, or more of a city-building game, I guess. But hmm. yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I like it quite a bit. Um, if it ends up back in the U.S. with me, we'll, we'll definitely play it because it's a yeah. lot of fun.
0: I suspect, despite my reservations, I'd probably actually enjoy it quite a bit.
1: The thing is, it's so tiny and easy to pull out and quick to play. That even if it's not like the best experience ever, it's easy to come back to. And it's 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 not a miserable experience by any stretch of the imagination. Like it's fun, <laughs> you know, even if it's not super complicated. So,
0: hmm.
1: yeah, that's all I got. But I'm pretty happy with that since I didn't think I'd be playing any of those kinds of games. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good list.
0: Yeah. Between the two of us, actually, we've got a lot of new plays in there. a
1: lot of new ones. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: Go us. Uh, Go pat us, on the back. Man. Good job, tabletop shop. Anyway, enough of this pat garbage. Up, um, are, are you saying it's time for the game of the week, Nate? It's time for the
1: game of the week. Man. Nate, what is our game of the week? Our game of the week is kind of one of the first hobby board games either of us really ever played. Like, I, I grew up playing Catan and Dominion and Carcassonne, so sure, I guess same. those count. But it was it was definitely one of the first newer ones either of us ever played, Yeah. right? I guess it was, wasn't it? And you just kind of got it for me on a whim, but Acrotiri yeah, has Acrotia. kind of always been kind of a little gem in our hearts, you know? It's always had a soft spot because it was one of the first games we played, I feel like. Yeah.
0: But not just that, it remains as a quality game it's not ranked very high I'm gonna pull it up here but I want to say it's like 800 something on the geek I
1: wonder uh, why eight, that
0: is 848 I that I feel slow I okay I'm gonna call this the curse of Jay Cormier uh, <laughs> wow because, that's a whole statement. <laughs> um because good old Jay Cormier he makes good games made this acritiri um well co-designed it with sen senfung Lim and then made In the Hall of the Mountain King uh, with Graham Johns. Both excellent games. Both are very underrated.
1: Yeah, and and In in the Hall of the Mountain King is even more... It's so strange to me, even more so. Akrotary is kind of an older game at this point. So it's like, okay, it's dropped, sure. Hmm, it's still probably sure. lower than it should be, but I get it. In the Hall of the Mountain King is just a few years old. And that, that one's really weird that it just... Yeah, it didn't get yeah. the traction. But we're not talking about that. So Acrotiri, well, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Acrotiri is a pretty standard pickup and deliver game, but it's also a tile-laying game, um, and all the tiles have colors associated with them that do a couple of things, one of which they determine one of the resources that's put on them, but they also create kind of this color schematic. schematic. Um, As the board gets bigger and bigger, there's more and more colors all over the board, and you, as the player, have basically contracts you're trying to complete. Well, temples. You're trying to build temples. And yeah. those temples have to fall within the color coordinates, basically, uh, on the map. And so you might have to make sure that your temple has two red symbols above it and one green symbol to the right of it and three black symbols below it. And mm-hmm. anywhere on the map where you can meet those requirements, you can build your temple as long as nobody else has built on that island yet. Um, and that's pretty much it. You just You have a few actions on your turn... You go around, you pick up resources, you sell them to make money, and then you have to pay money to build the temples. And it's a delightful little puzzle. Yeah. From,
0: from the description itself, it, it almost seems kind of random for how you can place these temples down. But really it's not because you and the other player are always putting down a new colored tile on your turn. And so you're looking at your contracts and you're trying to help build out the map in a way that it allows you to build um, one of your temples. But not only that, there's a variety of islands that get produced over the course of the whole map, but you're only allowed to have one temple like, not per person, like between both players, only one temple on each island. So maybe you can finally place one of your smaller contracts on this island be like, oh, I'm really trying to fill one of my bigger ones though, so I'm going to try to wait and then put this temple down.
1: Yeah. It it ends the mine. And there's, I think that I love games like this with the player interaction that is indirect again you're not attacking the other person in this game but you're both building temples and they might build a temple on an island that you were going to build they might not build anywhere like you might need to build up in this corner of the island and they build way down in that corner but either way they've now taken up the whole island you can't build on it or even worse they might have built on a different island and you are going to build on this one over here but they play a piece that connects them and it becomes the same island and now you can't even play on the other spot you know and so i like i like player interaction like that where I don't know, This it's almost a little too indirect because you don't know the other person's goals, so you don't even know what they're trying to do. So if you thwart them, it's on accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of like that there's no attacking or anything in this game. It's all just kind of play your own game, but we're both doing it in the same map. And the things you do might help the other person, you know? You might place a green tile down that helps me with one of my goals, which is cool. It's always kind of exciting when that happens. You're like, hey, cool, That's gets me one step closer. I don't have to do that. And so yeah. half the tiles that get placed out, you have control over And the other half might actually help you. They're probably not going to hurt you. So that's pretty cool too. Yeah.
0: There's also a competitive resource market where there's four different resource cubes. And every time you put down a tile, you place whatever corresponding color of cube goes to that tile. And then you place a second one of your choice off of the, the resource mat where all these cubes come from. But the more cubes get removed from the mat, the higher the sale price is for when you sell those cubes back to the mat. So let's say green is getting pretty close to a sale. You might try to sell your green cubes before the other person can and get get some nice monies off of those. So I, I enjoy how it's, it's not just indirect player interaction in some ways, but there is competition for who can True, market, yeah. the market
1: the best. That definitely is the most direct kind of player interaction, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I've never been a huge fan of, I don't know, that kind of economy system in games. I don't like, I don't like, I don't know, like games like Raccoon Tycoon. I was going to say that, yeah. I hate Raccoon Tycoon. Oh, really? (laughs) I hate it, dude. It's not even in my top 100. (laughs) Wow, that's kind of sad. I I don't like games that are centered around that idea, but I like it when there's a simplified little economy thing going on inside of a game. Same with Brass Birmingham. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a core of the game but it does affect the game and it is there and you can utilize it and manipulate it a little bit. Mm. Uh, and so it's the same in this game and it, and it works really well. Yeah. Is it safe to assume
0: you're never going to try lizard wizard?
1: I think lizard wizard, is, lizard wizard is a totally different game. If you owned a copy, I would definitely try it, but I okay. would certainly never just buy it. I don't think
0: maybe I'll try to rent it or something or play it at the
1: cafe. Yeah. I don't know if they have it either, but yeah. um, Another thing about this game is the components. This is something you were specifically like from the first time we played it. You were very <laughs> gung-ho about this. Um, and it's pretty cool. Um, I have no idea what they're made out of. It's some sort of composite material, but it has a lot of like weight to it, kind of. And it almost doesn't, but it does. You know what I mean? Like when you're holding them and you kind I of do. shake them, yeah. you're like, well, it's not Catan pieces. It's not just wood. You can feel that there's more weight to it, but it's almost like, it's almost imperceptible, but it's there, you know, it's so strange. Yeah,
0: well, the, the boats and the cubes are pretty standard wood. It, it's the yes. temples that you're talking about. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, though. They're They look like they should be wood, but they feel heavier than you'd think they are. So I don't know if it's some sort of, I guess, like dense plastic that is then just painted over. So it can be maybe possibly easy to mistake it as wood i don't know
1: yeah i don't know but But it's it's nice it feels good for such a tiny little game it's nice to have that kind of high quality little it feels high quality maybe it's not but it feels high quality and that's really all that matters anyways right yeah Um, well and it's it's an affordable sorry go ahead well i was just gonna say the rest of the game is nothing special as far as components go they're good the tiles are good the money's good everything else is just normal but the temples are are above average sure
0: Well, none of the components are, are bad in any way. No nope, like the no. the worst of the components is just standard, I would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just average. But all that
0: to say, I mean, the, the box is the same size as Seven Wonders Duel or Cave versus Cave or any of those little small square boxes. Yeah. And the game, I wanna say the game's like about twenty dollars if you can find it. And it it's pretty good. Like that that's a, a good price for a little game like that with a lot of a lot of yeah. play you can get out
1: of it. For sure. I think I've probably played this game definitely, I would say, probably close to 15 times, honestly. Okay. I don't think I played it
0: quite that much, but I still have gotten a fair amount of plays out of it. And I'll, I'll continue to play it. Like, I'm not going to get rid
1: of this game. The thing, the weird thing is that I I'm, I feel like I'm never excited to play it. I'm never like, oh, yeah, Akrotiri. Yeah, let's get that out. I want to play that again. <laughs> I'm never excited to but I'm always very satisfied after I play it. Yeah. I've taught it to a lot of people. People always like it. And I'm always like, after I finish the game, I'm like, yeah, that was fun. I like this game, you know, because it doesn't. It, it, it's not an exciting game necessarily, you know, um, like it doesn't look exciting necessarily. It doesn't. There's no like tense moments of thrill in the game or anything. Um, mm-hmm. There's no push your luck aspect that kind of gets you on the edge of your seat but it's a very solid design and yeah, it's hard to walk. You can't walk away and say it's a bad, it's a bad game. I feel like you just can't.
0: Nah, not at all. Is there anything you don't like about it though?
1: Like I said, it doesn't elicit any kind of excitement, uh, which is a little disappointing. And for that reason, honestly, I probably haven't played it as much as I would have. Um, And so it delivers a, a satisfying gameplay experience. But I feel like it's not very unique necessarily. Um, hmm. I feel like the, the concepts in it are kind of, and I actually don't know exactly all the, game, how old the game is. So I don't know if maybe anything it did was new. Um, but in general, it's kind of a, it's a standard pickup and deliver. It's kind of a standard contract fulfillment. Um, I like that how the board is placed affects your contracts, your temples that you're trying to build. That's kind of cool. Um, it just has a kind of the standard economy thing going on on the side, so I feel like there's nothing revolutionary, which is a little disappointing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But also, I I think it's I think it's delivered very well. Yeah. What about you? Anything that I don't know? I mean, you you own the game also, um, but probably don't come back to it too often.
0: Yeah, it it has been a while since I pulled it out last, so. I don't think that says anything about the game necessarily. I do agree that it doesn't necessarily elicit a large measure of excitement until you start playing it. And then it is just, in fact, a satisfying experience. One complaint I have, which isn't really a complaint, it's more just an observation. Sometimes the game can feel a little bit too long, I think, for for the content that the game brings. There is still a rising action to the to the course of the game because the more temples you get placed out, you're unlocking more actions you can do. You can do more cool things. Eventually, you'll be able to fulfill larger contracts. So there is a uh, a good arc to the game. I feel like maybe it could be a little bit shorter, and I'd probably get out the game more frequently if it was hmm. um, a little bit less long. You know, it's weird.
1: Um, I don't know. What do you think? The game. I agree. The game does kind of start to drag on like maybe about halfway through. But actually, once you get towards the end, then you're like, ah, I have so much I need to yeah. do. Like when the other person's closer to ending the game than you are, uh-huh. you're like, oh no, I need to get this temple built. Ah, ah, I, I don't have enough time to do what I need yeah. to do, you know? So that's kind of cool. There's too. some some good stress up in there. Yeah, yeah. so
0: yeah, beyond that, I don't really have much much other critiques for the game other than I would recommend viewers if you can find it. I, I spent a long time trying to find this because I got it for Nate some years ago. And then shortly after there, it just went out of print for like close to two years, I think. I kept looking for it for a long time and finally found it out in print again on Amazon. And I, I snapped it. Yeah, just I would say, it.
1: I feel like I, I don't say this very often for games. Um, this is one I would say just buy. If you find it at a good price that you're willing to spend, just buy it. You know Mm -hmm. like I didn't say that with brass I didn't say that with stronghold most games I wouldn't say just buy it this one I would there's not much risk you know it's a game that I think a lot of different types of people will like and it's not too long necessarily it's still a short experience it might feel longer than it should but it's it's still not a long game Um, and I think it I think it delivers in enough areas that most people would be happy with this game for sure
0: yeah it picks up and it delivers, Nate.
1: Okay. Well, that seems like a good thing to add on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <it's> cool beans. <laughs> that's, well, a Nate, great, wanna... that's a great one-line <laughs> review for that game. It picks up and it
0: delivers. <laughs> you know, I just went through, like, I made my own separate Board Game Geek profile because we had a Way Brothers one uh, for a long time. Well, we still have that, but I wanted to make my own so I could actually start putting ratings on games. Yeah. I should have written that for Akrotiri. That would have <laughs> been great. Uh. <laughs> Well, you know, you still can. That's true. I'll go back right after this episode and change it.
1: No, you won't. I will.
0: Actually, I will. I'll prove it to you. All right. Later. All right.
1: right. Uh, Yeah. So our board banter this week is another list. Um, Today, we are talking, as very directly alluded to in the intro of this episode, (laughs) our top five games that we like, but we rarely play. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. Probably different reasons, depending on the game.
0: I think my games have perhaps a variety of reasons.
1: So I'm sure that I will have made my list in an acceptable manner by your standards. However, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I mean, I took took multiple games that met the criteria, games that I like and games that I felt like I didn't play very much. And then I took my top five from that, the five I liked the most. Um, but then I sorted them kind of by how much I've actually played them, so kind okay. of my least played is at the top, and my most played is at the bottom. Out of are we going to have an, favorites?
0: We're we going to have another Christmas episode debacle where you have this really complicated algorithm for how your no. game fits and how satisfied you were. No, no, no. It's, it's very simple. Okay, it's very right.
1: simple. It's my top five favorite games that I feel like I haven't played enough. You know, just like our the name of our list is, but they're okay. just sorted by how much I've played them. So, the one I've, I've played the most is my number five.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mine is I, I took games that I felt qualified for that I like, but just don't play very often. And then I sorted them basically by how much I like them. No cutting. So like like no the, the number three game I like more than four, or I like more than five. <laughs> what? <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> uh. What's good? Right.
0: well we, we need to start we need to start burning yeah, through yeah, these yeah, pretty yeah. fast i think because
1: we have five to go through who wants to start i will start cody all right what you got because my number five is a game that actually hasn't been mentioned too much on the podcast but it's actually one of the games i've owned the longest really yes and i do not own it anymore and that is root aha root. i don't own it anymore because i own it yes uh <laughs> yeah actually root was one of the ones i kind of bought very early into the hobby it was like one of my first purchases honestly um and i loved it but i had such a hard time playing this game um Hmm. like it's just so it's not just asymmetrical like we mentioned um pandemic earlier where everybody has a special power basically it's not asymmetrical like that it's asymmetrical like 95 percent of what i do in the game is different than what everybody else in the game does everybody is doing like almost entirely different stuff and there's some stuff on the board that's the same for everybody but other than that everyone's kind of doing their own thing the whole time and so it's such a hard game to get people to play because you have to have a good grip on it and you have to be able to explain what they need to do and if they want to do well they need to understand what you're doing and so it's just the learning curve is so steep on this game um Mm. and so i actually have played it a fair amount of times though because Like physically, maybe only three times, honestly, which is so sad because it's a very good looking production, too. But of course, I I downloaded the app and I've played that a handful of times, but it's really not the same experience. So I still felt like this game deserved to to be on the list.
0: Yeah, I didn't think of that one that
1: probably could have made my list.
0: The problem is I've only played it once and I honestly don't remember it super well. So I wouldn't have been able to speak very much to it, but that's that's a good choice. It's, it's rough that you can't really pull it out with two players unless you get the, was it the Clockwork expansion, I think?
1: Well, you still can. It's just not, it's, it's definitely no. a better experience with three. Um, but you can definitely still do it with two, I think. Oh, okay. I need to start pulling this out then. Yeah, give it a whirl. Get played.
0: All right. Well, my number five, I'm guessing this is going to be on your list. Okay. It's, I think I anticipated two crossovers, but we'll just see what happens. Beyond the Sun. Okay. um Be- beyond the sun is a large space faring game S- uh, almost blandly themed because the game basically looks like you're in space it's a lot of black and kind of black and white colors it's yeah very, black and white yeah. even like the purple pieces and dice is kind of like a muted color yeah they're kind of uh, washed out yeah but that's fine it it, it fits the theme uh you, to my knowledge you and i both have only played this once just once uh, and i i actually literally just sold it yesterday <laughs> <unfortunately>. <laughs> i i liked the game um i just don't think i'm ever going to really have good opportunity to pull it out and it is a yeah. big awkward box i just needed to make some room in the yeah, library that's,
1: that's really disappointing yeah. one play and then sold yeah
0: yeah well it, it took me a long time before i sold it it's just i, I think i realized i was never really going to be able to it's- uh, to
1: get it out it's an annoying situation I've, I, I pretty much anybody who collects board games can kind of resonate with this um when you own a game that you're like i love this game and i just i mean basically what this list is i love this game but i just don't know how much i can realistically play it and eventually you've got to make cuts you know yeah. and you've got to get rid of games that you maybe only played once or twice and you really like but they're for whatever reason they're just so inconvenient to get back to the table and you got to cut ties at some point you know it's a hard sacrifices
0: have to be made yeah Yeah. but a little bit more about the game it's like i said it's a spacefaring game but it's also very tech tree oriented you each player has their own uh well no there's one large board that both players are moving along Um, and eventually you you have all the level one cards available and then once you progress enough you can um, pull out and choose a new Level two tech card to put into play that both players can access and activate. But then you also have your own personal boards that function. A sort of kind of like a scythe esque engine building where you're moving these pieces off. When you move the pieces off, they make it more powerful. And the reason I I really just don't really play it is Kirsten's not a big fan of space games, and this is a pretty heavy, as we established, kind of dry space game.
1: Yeah, it's a big investment, and it's really abstract. Like there's. Almost no theme, even the part where you're actually flying your ships around in space like your ships are dice with numbers and a picture of a ship. You yeah, know? like, yeah, there's really it's so abstracted and it's basically just one big tech tree, anyways, sure. which is cool, but yeah, hard to get into thematically.
0: It's not a bad game at all, it's an excellent game. No, in fact, no, but there are probably lists some, some better themed games aesthetically, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, that's my number
1: five. Good choice, good choice. My number four is definitely the oldest game on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've probably also only played it maybe three times. And this is my favorite of the different types of Risk I've played. This is my favorite. This is Risk 2210 AD. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You've maybe played this game once a long time ago. I'm not sure. I think just once with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it has a lot of similarities to the original Risk, uh, but I find it far superior um, in that... Well, the theme is just cooler, so it's futuristic. You have mechs, and you have these—you have five different commanders, which are really cool, and they have cool uh, figurines also. Um, and you have all these water territories too, and you have the moon that you can go to. The like the yeah. moon is like a separate board that you can go to. Um, but really, the the meat of like how the game is different is you have these five commanders that you can buy. Basically, there's currency in the game too. You can buy these different commanders, and they roll extra. They they roll like eight sided dice, more powerful dice. But then they also, whenever you get a certain commander, it unlocks a deck of cards that you can also purchase cards from. And the cards are really powerful, like really, really powerful. And so, mm. you know, getting these commanders is super cool, and then getting their cards is super cool. You know, you've got like a nuclear commander with all these nuclear war cards, and your moon commander, and you've got moon bases and all this stuff. The game just looks great, and there's so much more strategy in it it's not just pure tactics like risk is but there's more i mean it's still very tactical i guess but just the the new kind of addition of all these cards and commanders is really really cool and the game looks amazing too so yeah phenomenal game a very good experience it's so long though and (laughs) it doesn't work with two players it's risk so you need kind of at least three more like four people to play it with and that's just hard to do Mm -hmm. so
0: if I get another chance to give this a play, I will. I just really don't see that happening anytime soon.
1: And it's, I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of not really your type of game necessarily either, right? Risk isn't
0: my favorite, but I do remember enjoying Risk 2210. Just having the different aspects of how you can advance your military is a little bit more intriguing to me.
1: Yeah, it's cool. It's a great design. And I would definitely, if, if people are interested in getting this game, definitely find the older Avalon Hill production. Don't get the newer Wizards of the Coast reprint because they really cut corners on the production. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it, embarrassing the how low quality that version is. So find the old big box version for sure.
0: All right. Well, my number four is a game that has been featured on the show, sort of, not really featured, but I previously described it as a game that Uh, We were disappointed that we did not both get to play it. And only I have played it is Outlive. Outlive, Um, Yeah, I've only played it once. I just played it at the board game cafe. And that's why it's a game I rarely play because I don't own it. Um, And I if I bought it, I would want to get the cool deluxe Kickstarter. edition, And I'm sure that's mega expensive. So that's that's part of my deterrent.
1: You would also be buying it secondhand, probably.
0: So probably, yeah. Uh, maybe I can go to the cafe and convince them to just sell it to me. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Outlive is a worker placement game set in the post-apocalypse, not zombie-themed. You're just kind of surviving it out, and you're playing as a sort of a tribe or group of people that's trying to get, I guess, elected to be selected to go live underwater with a, a more prevalent <laughs> surviving community? Uh, Bioshock, Kind of a weird basically. concept there. Yeah. But how you function in the game is you have a group of four workers that have different values to them. You have a two, three workers, a four, and then a five, I think is what it is. And the worker you put down, it activates its action according to its strength. So if you put down a a number four worker on, uh, let's say like a wood chopping spot, I think there's a wood chopping spot. I don't remember. You would get four pieces of wood and there's a variety of resources and and all that trying to make this quick because we're getting a little bit short on time but uh good game i just i don't know if i'll buy it anytime soon but it is across the street
1: from you like literally so you know that's true i haven't been to the cafe
0: in a long time though
1: yeah yeah but i i would love to get my hands on it again i love any variation on worker placement i'm always like excited to try that out so yeah especially when it's a new cool way like that yeah my number three is a game I've only played a couple times. Um, I would have played it more, probably, if I was not in a different country. Uh, and I also do not foresee myself playing it a bunch in the future, but I know I will play it more. This is Arc Nova. Um, kind of a weird one. Like I said, I've only played it twice, and it's such a big, long game. Yeah. That also in the future I foresee myself not playing it too much. Because I've only played it twice, but it was within a very short span of time, you know? So, like, I feel like normally that wouldn't qualify because it was only available to me for, like, maybe a month or so, two months, and I played it twice within that span. Um But because I'm kind of looking into the future, like, okay, this is my game now, but I feel like it's not going to get a lot of playtime even though I really do enjoy it. Um mm-hmm. So, but yeah, Arc Nova, it's, it's basically... Uh, kind of a polyomino game you're building a zoo um, but it's very heavy on the cards in a terraforming Mars style where you have a huge stack of cards um, and you're playing cards from your hand both animals that actually go in your zoo but then other types of action cards and cards that generate points um, and then it has the cool mechanic or mechanism from civilization in new dawn where you've got these five different action cards that cycle based on which card you pick and the higher up they are the more powerful that action is but then it goes back down to the bottom uh just a brilliant mechanism i absolutely love that definitely want to see that not only do i want to see that in more games but i want to see it i want to see variations on it too i want to see i want to see people take Mm -hmm. that mechanism and mess with it a little bit more you know because civilization and arc nova basically did it in pretty much the exact same way um so i'm looking forward to seeing hopefully arc nova popularized that and i'd like to see it again in another game Mm -hmm. um but there's just so much going on in Arc Nova. It's kind of a mechanism salad, almost. You know, there's so many different really things is. happening. And I just feel like they blend so well. It's a great experience.
0: Yeah, we, we've talked about this on the show. Not quite yeah. my jam, uh, but I respect it for number three. Cool. My number three is a For the Galaxy game. I'll let you guess which one.
1: What do you mean? A For the Galaxy? What does that mean? Blank for the galaxy, but there's ah. a couple options. Ah. <laughs> it's got to be race because I know we play roll more, and roll's easier to get to the table, and yeah, looks better, and yeah. is better in every way. So probably race.
0: Uh, uh, debatable. Uh, is it is it? race though. Race for the galaxy. Okay. Yeah, it's it's debatable, and here's why. Okay. I appreciate the simplicity of race for the galaxy. Roll is cool because you you have you have different things to represent resources than just reusing the same cards. And probably overall, I do enjoy Roll for the Galaxy more. But it is cool in race how your your cards are also your resources to spend to play other cards. I, I just like that. You have to make some really solid decisions on which cards do I want to play, which cards do I want to keep. But because we have Roll for the Galaxy, we just end up playing that one more. It's It's been quite a long time since I played race. I'm not going to sell it. Um, you know but what? It is, it is a top five game I like, but rarely play.
1: I'm going to wager a guess that you will not play Race for the Galaxy ever again. You know what? Just for that, I'm going to play it this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So just just force your wife to just, are you going to play it solo? I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to force her to play it?
0: Uh, I don't know. Uh, The thing is, there's so many symbols. It's going to take me two hours just to relearn how to play it. (laughs) You're never
1: going to play it again, Cody. Mark my words. Just sell it now. Cut your losses.
0: All right. Looks like I have a couple of things to do. I need to go put that review on Akrotiri. I need to play Race for the
1: Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, I would say I respect your decision, but I don't. So,
0: okay. Well, I respect the fact see. that you haven't
1: played it very much. Uh, let's see if I respect
0: your number two choice.
1: I think my number two is definitely on your list. Uh, this nah, is Stronghold okay. Second Edition. This was okay. the first thing that came to mind when we when we mentioned this, because mm-hmm. whenever we talk about this game, that's what we talk about. That basically it's so much fun and it's so hard to get to the table because the other person you're if you want it to be a fun game the other person needs to know how to play like they actually need to know how to play or you need to be alerting at the same time but yeah. if you're not on equal footing with the other person i mean it's not really a fair fight um and it's for such a long game that doesn't end up being a fair fight that's really disappointing i mean we're talking like oh yeah two sure. and a half three hours so but basically, it's a, it, the whole game is just a siege that takes place over seven rounds. Um, one person's the invader, one person's the defender, and it's very tactical, very strategic. You're moving troops around on the board, the defender's moving the troops around on the wall, building lots of different buildings. The invader is constructing lots of you know war machines and siege towers and all this stuff. And it has a cool mechanism where the invader takes an action that costs a certain amount of time, depending on how strong it is, and then the defender gets that amount of time to spend on something and you go back and forth like a little ping pong match and then you resolve any combats at the end of the round, you know, um, it's just so much fun and so well designed, but just such a bear, you know, it's so hard to play. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm going to jump on this and say my number two is Stronghold Second Edition. All right. You're just going to say that? that or is it true. It's true yeah same all all out same rank how about that but yeah man what what a game it's weird because in general i prefer um end game conditions over win conditions and i'm usually not a big fan of like combat or war games uh but but this game just takes the cake man like i i don't care that it's a a a win condition word Either you just survive a certain number of rounds or as the invader, you just, you break the walls and you get a certain strength number inside. But I think it's because it's, it's largely resource driven. You know, it's not just fighting the invaders. Um, you have a couple of different resources you're spending. I guess it's really just wood and then cubes for people. Yeah. And but time. then according to how much of that you do, you give time to the defender and then the defender gets to spend time to do a variety of different things. I I just love that back and forth. It's such a brilliant concept that
1: I haven't seen in another game. And there's so much guesswork in this game. There's so much trying to get into your opponent's head because the invader just has to break through one wall to win the game. But there's like, I don't even know, at least 10, maybe 12 different wall sections on the whole. Yeah. yeah. And so there's so many options for how the invader can move their troops around and, the defender kind of has to equally defend, but you can't equally defend. you got to bolster. And so you have to pull from somewhere to bolster somewhere else, you know? And so it's just yeah. this kind of cat and mouse game of like, where am I going to strike? You know, and are you prepared to defend? So, yeah. Because there's Great. always a
0: response. Like the invader can do something in any place. And then the, the defender, for the most part, can respond to any of those things. But yeah. then the invader can then do something else in any of the places. I just love how complex it is yes
1: that's our little love letter to stronghold second edition
0: <laughs> what a game so that leaves you with your number one game what what I do you f- have
1: i feel like my number one could have been on your list but hmm. i think you you definitely play it more than you definitely play it more than i do i'm not i don't think that you definitely do um you probably still don't play it as much as you wish you would but you definitely probably played enough that it wouldn't make your list and that is brass birmingham uh-huh. um, I've only played this game twice and it's kind of an Akrotiri thing where somebody mentions it and I'm like, yeah, good game. I don't feel excited. Like, I don't feel like I really want to play it. But then I play the game and I'm like, <laughs> this game is so good. You know. <laughs> and I end the game. I'm like, that was a great experience. I love this yeah. game. And, but again, you know, when somebody mentions it again i'm like yeah i don't i don't don't know i don't really want to play it you know and it is kind of a long game and it is pretty heavy and it is easy to screw yourself up and mess up your network and you know all your stuff but essentially the core of the game is you're kind of building this network and you're building a bunch of buildings from your playing board onto the board and using those to generate resources and uh, use those resources to score victory points and the buildings score victory points. And uh, it's just so complicated though, and how you can build buildings and how your network is connected to other things to allow you to do things. And you can use other people's resources, but only sometimes. And sometimes you can't use their resources. And it also has that, like we mentioned with our criteria also it has that side kind of stock market thing going on. And it's just it's really complex, and if you make a couple missteps, you really regret it in this game. So it's very punishing, oh, yeah. I'd say, too. But it's so much fun.
0: It's a game that has an incredible learning curve, because the first couple of games I played, Kirsten and I did okay, and then we did some research and really learned some good strategy, strategies, Strategies, and <laughs> uh, it was crazy how much our scores went up after that. Yeah, so, such a solid game. It's similar... Not really similar to Race for the Galaxy, but the component of you have this hand of cards, and then some of them you're going to have to use in specific ways in order to put down a new industry in a specific city. But then your other cards, you're just going to burn like a resource. That That is similar to Race for the Galaxy, and I love that that choice that you have to make.
1: I find the cards are the weakest part of the game, actually, because it seems so often in that game, I'm like, ah, I don't have the cards to do what I need to do. And there are wild cards hmm. you can get, but it's costly to get them. And so... Yeah. Yeah. But still
0: yeah, solid. I think we had that discussion when we actually talked about brass as yeah, a game of the week I'm a while sure we ago. Did. But yeah.
1: I'm guessing it's not your number one.
0: No, my number one is Terraforming Mars. Really? The OG. Yeah. Because I've played it a, a couple of times, but I don't own it. And the thing is I I don't know when I'm going to buy this. I'm sure I will at some point, but since I own Ares Expedition, it's just kind of a deterrent uh, to get TM. I I just keep playing Ares Expedition all the time.
1: I mean, Uh, we had this conversation too, but I feel like they're not the same game at all. They have similar themes and some similar mechanisms, but they are definitely different games. Sure.
0: I do think they are fairly different games. Ares Expedition does have that, well, actually (laughs) kind of race for the galaxy feel where you're selecting a (laughs) Um, a given action to take that everyone will take that turn. Um, And Terraforming Mars definitely has the more sprawling game. There's probably more things you can do. Ares Expedition kind of streamlines that whole process and cuts a little bit of it. Uh, But yeah, I'll I'll probably get TM at some point. I just don't know how soon and I I just, I don't know. I don't remember the last time I played it.
1: I don't know. I would almost say wait longer and see if a better version comes out because the production quality of terraforming mars is really it's kind it's kind of embarrassing how low quality the game is like you either need to buy the base game and then buy a bunch of upgraded stuff for it yeah. or just wait for a more deluxe version to come out that actually has quality components cuz it is what do you think like, it's, it's going to come out it's so popular that it has to eventually but it, it might not be till like a 10th anniversary situation or something you know i don't know mm.
0: yeah that's not a bad idea Maybe I can see if something's been announced.
1: Probably not. Well, there's a big box version, but I don't think it, I, I didn't look into it much because I already owned the game. But
0: I'm not but against the, buying upgrades, though. I'm, I'm fine with that.
1: Well, it's just like the player boards, um, like the player boards that are in your version of Ares Expedition are amazing. That's what should have been in Terraforming Mars. But instead, it's Damn just it. really like almost like pieces of paper. It's just barely thicker than pieces of paper sure. that you use to track all your resources and you bump that. And it's like, well, now I have to remember where my (laughs) six different incomes were, where they were at, you know? Yeah. Uh, And the art on the cards is awful and inconsistent. Some of it's cool. Most of it's weird. Uh, Yeah. Some of it is just like pictures. Yeah. It's just straight up pictures. Yeah. Yeah. But some of them is cool art. It's just, it's so inconsistent. Um, But then the expansions are good, really solid. You can get a new double-sided board and the colonies expansion is awesome. So, Mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, that is something it has going for it. There are no expansions that I know of for Ares Expedition, but all sorts of expansions for Terraforming Mars.
1: Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep.
0: So yeah, yep, yep. that's our, our list of five games that we like but rarely play. I'm sure we have plenty of other answers we could have put here. Yeah, I know I had a few runners-ups that I didn't well, add.
1: Do you want to just list them real quick? I don't remember what they are. I, I delete them uh, after I make my little well, list. So I kept mine. <laughs> my, my three runners-up. Runner-ups? Runners-up? i think this runner's um, up vi council the west kingdom ah uh tabloot actually and bang the card game oh okay yeah
0: not bad not bad i could go back and look through my list to figure out something that qualifies but that would take too long way too long because uh the
1: episode's over cody
0: hey (laughs) and remember that was fun
1: Oh. Oh. oh, okay. It, it. It's actually it. over, I guess. No,
0: do you think, do you think?
1: <laughs> well, I was, I was just going to say it was fun to, um, yeah, I, I feel like we mentioned, we got to mention a lot of games on the podcast now that haven't been mentioned it before, talk about some mm-hmm. new games. Um, so that's always fun. That's always nice. And we both kind of have some obligation to get these games back to the table now too, I feel like. I think so. Yeah.
0: I feel like that's going to be harder and harder to do, to come up with. New lists that have us honestly give games that we haven't talked about before on the podcast. Well, we'll just have to play more games. Doing our best. Hey, that is a great answer, man. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, Tabloot is an ancient Nordic abstract strategy game with asymmetrical player sides. Thanks for tuning in folks this has been the tabletop shop podcast you may notice our audio but especially nate being a little quiet lately and that's because nate is still in germany and we have to record at weird hours of the day because we want to keep bringing you this podcast so you're welcome keep an eye out for the next episode and thanks for stopping by the shop